0: Hi, everybody. This is Lisa Pierce, Executive Editor of Packaging Digest, with another episode of Packaging Possibilities, a podcast that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers, and developers. I can't believe how lucky we are to learn from our guests today, a packaging veteran working for Nestle's global confectionery business. The world's largest food company recently transitioned its entire Smarties candies from plastic packaging to paper packaging. Speaking uh, to us today about this is Bruce Funnell, Bruce is the packaging lead for Global confectionery, working at the Nestle Product Technology Center across the pond in York in the United Kingdom. Bruce, hello, welcome, and thank you for talking with us.
1: Hello, Lisa, thank you, it's my pleasure.
0: So let me quickly share a few more details about the project to set the stage for our conversation. Um, Nestle finished this plastic-to-paper switchover in 2021, and now all Smarty's products are in paper packaging. And um, those products are packaged in a variety of locations, uh, but mainly in Germany, um, Hamburg, I believe, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria... Canada, Australia, and South Africa. So clearly a a global brand. Bruce, um, tell us please about all the different uh, pack formats that you have for uh, Smarties, please. So I've seen hexa tubes, flow wrap bags, lay flat bags, stand up pouches and cartons. Anything else?
1: No, exactly all of those, really. Um, so starting with um, a giant tube, which was a round tube of Smarties, this, this was the biggest uh, single SKU that we had, um, Moving, uh, basically moving, removing the plastic end cap um, and replacing that with a one-piece carton format uh, following the hexa tube, which has become a, an icon for us in the last years. Um, also, uh, multi packs of small uh, hexatubes joined by in a, in a flow wrap previously were moved to uh, a front and back label solution in paper. So, again, avoiding the need of plastic. Um, Deutsch style pouches moving from, uh, from plastic to paper, pillow bags, um, and of course, flow wraps. Of course, there were, there were several other applications, um, less obvious plastics such as uh, stickers, Easter egg fitments, um, those kind of things. Each of those had to be obviously tackled systematically to eradicate those from our portfolio.
0: Okay, so not only just the major package, the primary pack, but also any plastic components. So this was truly a, uh, a switchover and a total elimination of plastic. Correct. Okay. I know that uh, so many different angles to look at this, but um, consumer satisfaction was key. So how did Nestle involve their consumers in this change?
1: So um, in Germany, for example, like you mentioned, Germany and Hamburg, a very important operation for us. Uh, we ran uh, consumer research to test the new paper hexagonal tube without the plastic cap uh, versus the current before launch. And, and the paper packaging concept scored really well, uh, very positive results compared to the previous version. Um, with the consumers really only being worried about, you know, would, they, would the one-piece hexatube still be resealable? Could they still close it uh, and, and retain some product for later?
0: Okay, excellent. Yes, um, reclosable packaging is always high at the top of the consumer preference list, uh, no, almost no matter what the product is, but definitely when it's a multi-serve. Okay, um, so that's one angle. another angle. Um, I'm wondering how involved were the packaging production people in the decision to switch to paper packaging? Or um, you know maybe the, the better question is, when did the packaging production team get involved with the project?
1: I think really from the outset. So the project obviously was a collaboration between uh, packaging experts in Nestle, um, our, our packaging institute, for example, in Switzerland, and the different infrastructure of Nestle through R&D operations, and supply chain. Um, the, I mean, the packaging supply chain really involved right from the start, because uh, they are really key um, to be able to make this happen. Um, both from material selection, the the printing and conversion, packing, filling, logistics, and our customers. Um, But we really had to understand end-to-end the impact and the needs and challenges as it was going to run through the supply chain.
0: Okay, and we're going to get into some of those, too, in more detail, uh, which is exciting. So, Bruce, tell us a little bit about what some of the considerations are from the, specifically, the packaging machinery side, um, running a, a new material on a, on the packaging line.
1: Yeah, you know, in, in the majority of cases, we had to adapt our existing manufacturing lines. You know, these are these were designed to run on plastic, so mm-hmm. to allow those to to move, you know, to 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 allow for the careful handling that's required for paper without tearing and puncturing. Um, that was really important. You know, sealing, sealing is another area where we had to innovate. You know, during heat sealing, I don't know if you know. I guess the readers will know the the principles of heat sealing, but you know, the heat transfer has to transfer quickly to the sealing layer so that we can close the pack in good time, um, mm-hmm. so that we don't affect run rates and we ensure that we get an effective seal um, to for the on the package. Um, Paper is different, paper is a very good insulator. So we have to find alternative ways to achieve an effective seal without slowing down production or adding more process steps.
0: Okay, Um, I think we're gonna get into some of that detail a little bit later too, but let's uh, first talk a little bit about the material because I believe the project also required mm, developing new materials. Uh, for the packages, uh, especially when you're going from a plastic pouch or flow wrap um, to paper. So what were some of the innovations there on the material side?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's important to say that um, you know first principle is that all the food we make has to be packaged well so to ensure that it's safe and doesn't spoil in any way. Uh, and you know while paper is one of the most recycled materials, um, when used alone, it lacks sufficient barrier and functional properties to be used for food products. Sure, because so, it's because por- so, it's porous, right, Bruce? It's porous. It, exactly, mm-hmm. it's porous. You know, anybody who has uh, spilled ink on paper, you you'll see it absorb into the paper. So, you know, we had to work. Our scientists had to work in collaboration with external partners, so suppliers, to develop paper-based alternatives that maintain the barrier and the functional properties required to keep the product safe and fresh, um, you know, and maintain the the safety and quality of the product over the shelf life.
0: I know that in some other um, uh, plastic to paper switchovers, especially with heat seal and barrier properties, as you're talking about here, um, there usually is a very thin inner Layer of plastic still to provide that barrier to allow that heat seal as you have, you know, the, the plastic to plastic um, inner seals for um, creating this the seal. Is that um, what the structure is for many of your, your paper packs?
1: So the papers use a, a water based coating. Um, that effectively blocks up all of those pores that you mentioned um, and allows us to keep the barrier. But the important thing is to say is that uh, those, those materials, it's is, is no, no more coatings, if you like, than on a, than on a magazine a glossy magazine paper. So it means it can be recycled in the paper recycling stream without an issue. And all of those coatings, inks, etc., can be removed and are removed as part of the normal paper recycling process.
0: Okay, wonderful. Thank you for that. So I know that you, you were um, um, doing some tests on the material. Uh, do you mind telling us a little bit more about how you were able to test those materials on the packaging line and what those tests revealed Um, i know that in other instances it's a little bit difficult for a company to test a new material on a a line that's already in production for another package already Uh, finding the time to get in you know to find the time to to use the machine when it's not already doing what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, Was that an issue? And um, did you make any changes to the material um, as you were going through this iterative testing process?
1: Uh, we did. I mean, the important thing is to say that you know, not all papers are the same. Um, you know, during the development process, we had, we had found that while we selected some papers, we had to adapt them according to the application. You know, through that testing and and development program to assess their performance needs. You know, extensive testing was performed. During development, we do those in different phases, from obviously from pilot phase through to uh, the full-scale uh, industrial trials. As you mentioned, um, we had we had you know certain components of the packaging lines had to be adapted and fine-tuned to ensure that smarties are properly protected throughout the supply chain uh, and delivering them finally to the consumer without any compromise.
0: Okay. And um, during testing, were you able to find the time on the production equipment and fine tune it, or did you have, uh, you know, a, a, a pilot line?
1: Yeah, we have uh, we have pilot facilities. Um, both uh, both pilot trials, both at, at suppliers, at uh, converters, but also either um, in, in our in our facilities, we're able to do that. Um, everything starting, obviously, firstly at large scale, small scale, through to a pilot trial, and then to a, a full industrial trial.
0: Okay, excellent. Thank you. So with this material change, you took a holistic approach during development to also improve the packages where you could. Um, as one example, you already mentioned that Hexatube pack where you were able to add um, functionality to the packaging for um, removing one tube at a time. And um, also, I believe in some instances, some of the formats that we talked about, um, you were also able to reduce the total packaging material versus the plastic version. Can you tell us a little bit more about those developments?
1: I think probably there's a couple of examples I would I'd draw to, probably starting with the the giant hexa tube, um, which I think is a really good example of where we took the opportunity, not just simply to remove the plastic component, but to really look about the, 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 whole, uh, the whole design and modifying the carton design. Um, and through that, we were able to achieve a one piece uh, compared to a multi-component um, f- uh, format but also at the same time reduced the headspace. So that led to a total height reduction of around 10% and obviously therefore delivering wow. uh, greater efficiencies through the whole supply chain.
0: Yes, um, excellent. Yes, and that was the the larger hexatube. Um yeah. What about the, the multi-pack?
1: Yeah, so coming back, yeah, that was the next point. Um, the second example really was the Hexatube Multipack, and it's one, it's one that I feel, feel mostly proud, very proud of. Um, not only we did, did we eliminate the plastic collation wrapper, but we also wanted to make it easy to use. So, you know, to allow the consumers to, to tear off one tube at a time. We know how important that convenience, convenience function is for the consumer. Um, and that really did require extensive testing of several patterns, several um, perforation patterns, different label materials. Um, but we believe that in the end, the the effort was worth it when you see how how easy it, it is for consumers to use and how well it performs in the supply chain.
0: Okay, excellent. I've seen photos of it. Um- but I don't know, is that for sale? The uh, HexaTube Multipack, is that for sale here in the US?
1: I don't believe so, I think it's only in Europe, principally UK, Germany, I think.
0: Okay, Um, maybe next time I'm uh, over there, I'll I'll look for it so I can try that functionality. I love uh, playing with uh, packages. (laughs) So um, Bruce, let's talk a moment about volume. Of the project because um, you produce a lot of Smarties, and I'm just wondering, like, um, how you decided to pick this particular product line for this packaging change. Was volume a concern, and and what were some of the decisions along along that way?
1: Sure, you know, volume volume was a concern. It, it's a bold move when you're going to move. Um, you know, put more than 400 SKUs uh, from one material to another, um, removing approximately 250 million packs that are sold globally every year, um, tackling each of our Smarties production lines around the world within a very short time frame. Uh, Oh, what was
0: the time frame?
1: um, I think it was announced um, January 2019. Um, And delivered in uh, in early 2021, so you know within a two year period, and that's quite that's quite a feat. Um, And really, a phased approach helped. Uh, You know, however, certain lines you know required investment in new machinery, and that required skillful coordination to ensure supply was not compromised. As you already mentioned, uh, you know, using lines that are Already running production, finding the right timing, and uh, building up the right stocks to enable that uh, that transition to happen.
0: Okay, a lot of moving parts there, and um, quite a short time frame, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back just for a second to talk about the the barrier properties or the performance properties of the material, though. Uh, and I bring this up because in other conversations that I've had with food companies over the last couple of years, uh, partially because of some um, product rationalization because of COVID and supply chain issues. um, There's been some talk about uh, shelf life and um, how if you're, if you, um, are able to shorten the shelf life, sometimes you can gain some sustainable packaging advantages because of that, whether it's, you know, going to a less complex structure that's more easily recycled or, um, you know, uh, shortening the pack, like uh, the heads, uh, minimizing the headspace in your hexatube, things like that. Did you um, have any of those um, issues when you were looking at this this package change for the product?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's important that all the food we make is packaged well, you know, to ensure that it's safe, doesn't spoil in any way. And, you know, while paper is one of the most recycled products, when used alone, as we've mentioned, it lacks sufficient barrier and functional properties to be used uh, for food products. So that was where we had to develop um, you know, paper-based alternatives that maintain the barrier and the functional properties, um, ensuring the, the safety and quality of the product over the shelf life.
0: Okay. Before we hear more from Bruce about the new packaging line that Nestle installed and um, lessons learned from this product uh, project, let's take a short break for a special message. Lisa Pierce here with Packaging Digest. If you are enjoying this podcast, I've got good news for you. There are more episodes with insights from other packaging executives at brand owner companies, including Tuna Giant Bumblebee Foods, Food and Confections Leader Mars, Alcohol Beverage Manufacturer Absolute, and Snack King Frito-Lay. Find these and other conversations at packagingdigest.com slash packaging hyphen possibilities hyphen podcast. Now back to our current episode to learn more. So Bruce, um, some existing packaging lines you had mentioned were adjusted to run the new materials but um, kind of exciting that you were able to also install a totally new packaging line for the uh, the tall paper tubes. Um, I'm assuming that's the t- the tall hexatube, correct?
1: Yeah, correct, yes. Okay, yeah.
0: um, tell us about this new packaging line. Is it dedicated to that particular
1: package? Yeah, the hexatube is produced from one piece of board, so it required a totally new machine In essence, it's a a scaled-up version of the standard Hexatube um, with some some changes. Um, It was designed to be as as flexible as possible so that we could accommodate different size options um, to allow flexibility for today, but also for the future.
0: Okay, And um, the packaging line, it was a a, a total um, new line with new machinery
1: yeah it was a new a new investment it was a 10 million euro investment into the hamburg factory and that that line formed part of that investment
0: okay excellent um so for the, the paper packages, um, controlling that sealing time and the temperature is critical so that you get an, uh, a secure seal without you know, burning through the paper, as, as you had um, mentioned earlier. So um, what changes, um, what did you have to change on the, on the packaging line when you went from the plastic bags to paper? And are you able to run at the same speeds as you were, um, knowing that the coefficient of friction is quite different from those uh, pla- from plastic to paper?
1: Yeah, I think it comes back to the question that we had earlier, um, you know, where sealing is an area where we had to innovate. You know, we, we have, uh, we use both cold seal mechanisms and heat seal mechanisms. So for flow wraps, cold seal, we had to adapt the adhesive, the lacquers and the application process Uh, had to be developed but with heat sealing um, you know as i mentioned paper is a good insulator so we had to find alternative ways to quickly heat the seal area uh, to achieve an effective seal without slowing down production or adding more process steps so specifically we didn't need to slow down the lines to, to 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 enable this to happen
0: Excellent. Um, I'm sure, you know, running at the volumes that you're running, that was a, a pretty important um, a pretty important metric to hold.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah. So I'm just curious, you've mentioned heat seal, cold seal, um, but on the heat sealing side, is ultrasonics uh, something that you um, considered or looked at, or is it still just using the, the heat and pressure uh, sealing technology that we're all used to?
1: As I've said, I can't talk about specifics, but well, you know, we, we were able to adapt with known sealing technologies the the different uh, to to meet the different needs of paper versus plastic.
0: Okay, excellent. So, um, according to the Hamburg, Germany plant manager Arturo, and is his last name Calvin?
1: Galvan. Arturo Galvan. Galvan.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, he says that uh, more than 200 people were involved in that particular product uh, project. I believe the the new packaging line for the HexaTube. Um, who was the lead for that project, and how was that person able to coordinate with all the the people in the departments that had to have been
1: involved? Yeah, you know, the, the paper packaging project was a, a truly global effort led by uh, Nestle packaging experts at our R&D centre here in York, Nestle Product Technology Centre in the UK, and in close collaboration with the Institute of Packaging Sciences in in Lausanne in Switzerland, and other cross-functional Nestle teams and, of course, the, the, the factories. We had a specific project team in place that ensured effective collaboration across all of these, Um, and effective communication across the whole organization. And that was really fundamental and key to to making this a success.
0: Yes. One of the things that I've been learning is that um, uh, people have been giving career advice to packaging engineers saying that, Uh, they should also learn how to be a project manager because a lot of times they're fulfilling that role because packaging does interface with all these uh, different departments. So um, was packaging the lead uh, in this project then?
1: um the packaging was uh obviously core to the the technology change so we weren't really changing the product formulation was not the main focus of the of the project so packaging was the focus of but obviously involved way beyond packaging so engineering uh, manufacturing supply chain uh our business commercial teams were heavily involved because we also wanted to make sure that the, those efforts were well communicated to consumers and that they understand, understood the rationale for the change and were taken along with us on the journey because ultimately we do it for, uh, for the benefit of all. Mm-hmm.
0: Wonderful, thank you, Bruce. Um, what was the biggest automation challenge you had because of this packaging change and, and why? And then um, how was it solved?
1: So you know, adapting packaging lines, you know, that were originally designed for plastic um, to run paper without compromising on quality and line performance, that was really the, the key challenge. So to do that, then you talked a little bit about how we did that. It really required extensive root cause problem solving, you know, to overcome the challenges um, and to go through those iterative innovation cycles so that we're able to knock down the problems one by one um, and ensure that we had a sustained performance uh, going forward.
0: Thank you. Um, so last question, Bruce, um, if you had to, you know, thinking of what you've been through over the last couple of years uh, during this, this project, what lessons would you say that you learned from it?
1: I think the, the most important thing is to have a clear ambition with unwavering commitment from everybody involved, pure focus, um, collaborating and solving problems as one team, with that, you can, you, you, know, you can make things happen. That when you look at it beforehand, you might think, okay, how are we gonna do this? But taking that approach, um, you can do incredible things.
0: Wonderful advice. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we had an opportunity to talk, Bruce.
1: Thank you Lisa, my pleasure.